This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know about you, but the music makes Christmas just incredible, doesn't it? There are so many familiar songs, Advent songs, Christmas songs, secular Christmas song, like the most wonderful day of the year, the most wonderful time of the year. And some of them we get in that music track at a grocery store, or and it goes over and over and over, and you hear one song more than another, and it sticks with you for hours. I want to talk to you about something today that I hope will stick with you, and will stick with you regularly, and especially during this season of celebrating the birth of Christ and the preparation for his second return. And that is something I did 10 or 15 years ago, which you can buy on our website. It's called The Power of the Table. And it is a visual uh, a visual of the text I'm going to give you part of today. There are tables full of decorations and tablecloths, and the whole message is about the power of the table. And this is a time of the year, even if you don't sit regularly at a table, the Thanksgiving time, the celebration of Christmas time, Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner, tables get brought back into focus. You clean off the dining room table that you've been doing your homework on, and your husband's at one end doing his business, and you say, for 48 hours, we're going to use the table. There is a great power to the table, and I can clearly remember in my own life as a young woman where I was challenged about the power of sitting across the table from someone with some regularity and then the power of accomplishing things at the table. And I'll never forget the first concept that was thrown at me, and that was around the table, there was this visual possibility of a person across from you, to the right of you, to the left of you, an eye contact, a physical contact that's not possible anywhere else in the world. And I was so struck by that. So I want to just throw some ideas, some passages, some reminders. I always run to the, my, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. And then that brings me to who is the builder of this home? The father, the mother. Um, the mother is still the heart of the home most often, even if she's working full-time job and her husband's helping and the children are helping to get the work of the house done. The mom is the one who t- typically nurtures the relationships within the confines of the home. Proverbs 14 and 1 says that the wise woman builds her house, while the foolish woman tears it down with her very own hands. 
that verse came into my life uh, 35 years ago, and I have never stopped being taken by the fact that uh, I do this myself, and I can tell you the times when I, I'm about to open my mouth and say a tear-down thing, and I do sometimes, and other times I am wise enough to suck it back in. So I want to encourage you to build your home, men, women, especially during this time when we have some free days. In the six weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you have two full days off work, national holidays. And I would just encourage you to use this second one wisely. Um, Build your home. The table has a strong presence in the scripture, the Passover table, the communion table. Take, eat, and remember what Jesus did. And Jesus hosted his disciples at the table. There are many stories, accounts in the Gospels where Jesus is at a table. He's in someone's home at a table. He's reclining at the table, and Mary comes in and pours the oil on his feet. These are places in the Bible that talk about the table. And then there's celebration in the Bible. So regularly we see celebrations being held in the scripture. King David's table for Saul's son. David, dancing in worship. Um, Who or what sits at your table? Who or what sits at your table? And if you're not eating at your table due to soccer or dance or school or work schedules, I want to suggest to you that you pause just long enough to say, Maybe, maybe once a week we could gather at the table. Don't make a big deal about the table. Now, I love making a big deal about the decorations and the plates and the dishes, and I'm older and I don't have small children running around, and I've done it for decades, and a lot of it is simply habit. We just do it, and I have all that stuff, so let's use it. But I'm just talking about gathering around the table. If it's paper plates and paper napkins, just getting them all seated and around the table. Joseph gathered his brothers. After Joseph is released from prison, becomes an important figure in Pharaoh's kingdom, after he discusses what's going on and figures out what happened with his brothers, and he invites them in, and what does he do? He has his brothers at the table. The wedding in Canaan was at the table. Um, There are so many places that the word table is used. Perhaps the most famous one is Psalm 23, when he says that he has a table prepared for me. Nehemiah gathers the officials to do the rebuilding of the wall. He's had a vision. He spoke to God. He wants to. He heard from God. He wants to gather together and get their support, and he gathers them around the table. He gathers them around the table. Many years ago, my husband and I met a man who had been imprisoned in as an isolation, a prisoner of war. No, it was a prisoner of Christ because he was preaching the gospel in a country he should not have been. And they put him in a room that had a concrete floor and was about five feet wide and seven feet long. And he talked to us when he was released and said the thing he missed the most 
was the ability to gather around a table and eat. Now, he wasn't eating. They, they fed him one meal a day, most days, and not very much. But he said he, he would think about pleasant memories, think about things that were important to him, and he would often think about a table and people being around the table, eating and laughing and talking and growing together in it. I've never thought, forgot how important it was, this juxtaposition of isolation versus freedom to be together to celebrate. One thing that I think is very, very interesting, and that is in the Old Testament, we see the table that was built for the tabernacle to house the very important ingredients for worshiping God in the Old Covenant. I could talk to you about that for five shows and tell you about all the feasts of of the Jewish world, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to do that, I promise. But I am going to tell you that the dimensions of every piece, the chalice, the showbread, every piece, the dimensions are found in the Old Testament. And that the table is the exact same height that we still have as tables in our culture 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years later. There's something powerful about that imagery that that was the time um, of having the table set and prepared to worship God. So I think the table needs to be set and um, plan a place for worshiping God and celebrating your family. The wisdom of the scripture says that she has prepared her food, mixed her wine, and set her table. Isn't that? It's just a proverb. It's just quoting it. She has prepared her food. I was talking to a young friend just a bit ago who said I was cooking for our family and a family I was bringing food to and every pot was dirty, every plate was dirty, every dish was dirty, but she had set the table for two families to have a meal together. We prepare it, we mix it, we serve it, and we set the table, we set it for people to come and eat. So what is it that you need um, when it comes to having tools for your table. And I think the table is an important place. Place your table in an important place. Try, if you can, to not use it for other things. If you're blessed to have two tables, like a dining room table and a kitchen table, then use the dining room table regularly. Don't don't act like it's a company room. Uh, And if you're not using that table regularly, then make one table where you'll use regularly. And part of that is that memories happen, and when those memories are happening and are encouraged to happen in the same place, it makes it easier. My favorite story about tables happened to me, actually, because David and I really did, uh, through our young married life and raising our daughter and my two nephews and niece and hordes of people who came to our home in those years, we ate at the table. It was intentional that we ate at the table. And we had a table that served in the kitchen, served eight. You could squeeze in 10 if they were little people. Well, our daughter left for college, and it was a new season. We knew this was going to be a new season. And my husband got up and went to work, and I went out that day to find a table for two. 
I have no idea why, except I felt inspired of the Lord that now is the time. You know, the kids go away, the family leaves, they're just the two of you. I wanted to build something for David and me that was just the two of us. And so I had two young men come and help me move the, I found this little wood table. We still own it. And uh, we, it had a big leaf in it and it was brown and had great legs and so I had two guys come and help me before David came home from work the next day, and we took the old table out and put the little table in, and I put a little lamp on it, and I set it with two placemats, and when David came home, he said, what is this? And it was, it was just fun to see him light up like we were newlyweds again, and there are just going to be two of us. Well, the same thing that happened in that little table is the opposite side of the story, is some weeks or months later, David and I were having dinner together. There are just the two of us. And suddenly, a little tiff broke out. We still don't remember what the subject was. But David was annoyed, and I was angry. And finally, he looked at me, and he started to laugh. And he said, this little table and nobody around it means we have to finish this right now. I can't say, let's talk about it later. <laughs> Which often happens in a family. It's all right. It's all right to let the family air itself. Be careful that you don't air things about your marriage that would be hurtful to your husband or to your children. But let the table be a place where you start something and finish it, okay? So I guess if I were in front of you, I would say, why don't you eat at the table? Why don't you eat at the table? Mm, I have horrific stories of growing up as a child and the happenings that happened at our table. Yelling, screaming, cursing, throwing things, breaking dishes. Um, I later came to discover not only what my natural bend is in life and where I think I feel things first, but my mother said to me, for years, you were so lazy Every time you got up from the table, you wanted to lay down on the sofa, you had a stomach ache. And I really did have a stomach ache because that was where all my emotions landed. But she would make me get up and go in the kitchen and help her clean up. So my table memories were not good ones. So I want to encourage you to think about why you don't sit at the table, why you don't use the table, why you think the table's too much work or, or whatever it is. Think about it for a few minutes and then proceed. Practically, I'd encourage you to fill your sink or a tub with hot sudsy water while you're making dinner, while you're getting dinner ready, and drop everything you can into it by the time dinner is over or before you clean up. It'll be ready to wash and put away almost. Um, at the table, it's a good place to teach some habits and good manners at the table, but don't teach so much that it makes the table time less fun. Be intentional when you get to the table. Turn off the phones. Just turn off the phones. Don't take or make calls during that time. Just give yourself a 40-minute dinner time or a 30-minute dinner time, and everybody can wait for 30 minutes. Children are talked to and asked questions, but they are not the centerpiece. And I think that's very important if you're building a family unit and you're using the table to build that. So my little grandson who came first, who was adorable and talkative 
and everything he did was wonderful. And pretty soon we found ourselves, we were not talking with our daughter and her husband or David and myself or any of our guests. We were just, isn't he the cutest thing in the whole world? And we realized that our own counsel needed to come back to us. The children are not to be the centerpiece. They're to be included, but not the centerpiece. Compliment and affirm one another. Teach your children to do that. If there's anything I hear in the one-on-one sessions that I have with women, is they say, no one affirms me. I have no one in my world who regularly affirms me. And when I ask people, do you give a word of affirmation? Are you an affirmer? Most often, if I just ask that question straight out, and if you know me, you know I'm apt to do that kind of question, they say, I don't know, no one ever taught me how to do it. How do you affirm someone? How do you compliment someone? How do you compliment someone without saying, you know, you could do that very well, but you don't, and before you know it, you're chastising them. The table should be a safe place, a safe place. Um, give them a few minutes before it's time to come to the table. Remember that lovely book that I wrote that I, it's probably my favorite book, well, one of, one of my two favorite books, uh, the nine that I have written, and they're all available on our website. It's uh, Building Your Home on Holy Ground. If home is holy ground, then it should be a safe place at the dinner table, and no one should feel they have to come to the table. It's a place to communicate. It's a place to talk about social graces. It's a place to listen, and it's a place to, to speak. Dinner games are wonderful. Schmoozing it up and making the table look beautiful. Letting your children decorate the table themselves and being glad for whatever they do, depending upon the ages of your children. Use anything you want. Use newspaper for wrap for the tablecloth. Use paper napkins. Use a big roll of paper towel and pass it around. Whatever you have, just use it. Make it creative. Let the, let the family be included. Use unusual kinds of tools. Like tonight we're eating with a small fork only. It's hard to eat ice cream with a small fork only. Or or we're using chopsticks tonight. Or make the place, the table, a place of fun and communication. There are lots of wonderful things to dress a table with. Some of them are expensive and tend to formalize instead of be friendly. I'd encourage you to stay away from that. Unfortunately, we live in a culture where the table is not honored as a regular um, occurrence. The, the numbers are staggering to how few people cook at home and eat at home, and yet we have 30% more food channels than we've ever had in the history of television. It's kind of an oxymoron to me. So I want to encourage you that there is power in the table. Be willing to run the risk of saying, Tuesdays we're sitting at the table, oh, mom, I don't have time, oh, honey. Well, be willing to run the risk. Get as many people on board as you can before dinner. The other thing I think is important is some things that start like habits. You don't have to do this for the rest of your life. But 
Monday night is, I don't know, meatball night. Tuesday is taco night. So that people get to serve, understand what's going to be served, and they're comfortable with that piece. So if they're uncomfortable coming to the table, they're comfortable with what they're going to eat. And a young friend of mine, her children are now in their 20s, and one of them is married. They had... um, one night a week, I think it was. Maybe it was less than that one a month, but it was called What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef? And on that day, her three children and her husband and herself were free to air their annoyances or their complaints. What's your beef? And your beef, they were willing, they had to tell what it was and they could talk about it. I think the table has so many possibilities to it, but I want to give you two things to end with. Um, Oh, I can't even tell you when I start talking about it. I want to talk about everything I've ever written about it or talked about it. But I think for today, I want to remind you that there is power in the table and that this season of celebrating the birth of Christ, have a birthday party for Jesus, invite neighborhood children in, or have it with your family, and do all things birthday. But the real heart of it is something that I talk about with regard to creating memories. And that is, are you willing to risk, those of you who are in charge of meals at your house, mom or dad or both, are you willing to risk the rejection that your children may give you? Hands on hips, gruffy voice, come to the table with their arms folded. Are you willing to do that and then persevere with it so that in the end, the table will be a place of memory, just as the scripture reminds us to make the table a memorial and come together as we serve communion with one another. Well, the power of the table, it excites me just talking about it. Um, We do still eat at our table. Oh, yes, we go outside the patio sometimes, and we sit in the chaise lounge. And sometimes we bring a table, one of those fold-up TV tray kind of tables, and we sit in front of the TV and watch a football game. But the majority of the time, the autos are still having breakfast and dinner at the table. I wouldn't trade the work that I put in to encourage eating at the table for all the wonderful memories wonderful, laughing, creating stories, memories, not only with our own family, but for all the people who have sat around our table. And for those of you who are listening to me today and you have sat around our table, oh, do come again and have supper with us. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of considering the table for dinner.